Tonight, God's word comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2. We're going to begin our reading at verse 11. Uh, reading through the end of this chapter, our focus tonight will be on verse 18 through the end of the chapter. 1 Peter 2, beginning at verse 11. What we hear now is God's word. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the governor as supreme, emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continually entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin, and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, Peter is giving instruction to the church how they are to live as Christians. He has called them to holiness, a call to holy living. He gave that generally at the beginning of the book. And beginning with chapter 2, verse 11, he's going to be much more specific in the various parts of their lives, how they are to live as Christians. Last week, we looked at the Christian's relationship to the state. And we saw that Christians were called to be subject Tonight, we look at verses 18 and following, the instructions to servants. And once again, 
we have that same language, be subject to your masters, called to be subject. Now, I think it's important when we talk about servants, or some of you have Bible translations that uh, use the word slaves here. Uh, slavery in the Bible uh, can be a bit of a controversial topic. I think it's important to remember that slavery in the Bible is never a commanded thing. There's no command that calls us to have slaves. Slavery in the Bible is never commended as if it were a good practice. But slavery, since it was going on, is regulated by the Scriptures in the New Testament. And that's the regulation we have before us tonight, verse 18 and following. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. I think it's very easy for us when we think about slavery, our minds go back to the Deep South and the slavery that took place there. We may not import that concept of slavery into every time the Scriptures speak about slaves or servants. In fact, particularly in this text, uh, the word used here in verse 18 for servants is not the regular word that is used for a slave. It is the word oketai, not the word douloi. It is the word uh, better translated perhaps household worker, perhaps household servant. These household workers, these servants, were often those who were educated and many times were paid for the work that they did. They were nurses, they were doctors, they were teachers, they were artisans. In fact, they could work and be paid and, and in some time earn their own freedom. That's, that's who Peter is talking to in this text. So we don't import all that we think of the baggage that comes with the term slavery as we consider our text this evening. Uh, servants, household workers, uh, be subject to your masters. It is much more uh, akin to the work that we do as we go to our jobs than it is to southern slavery. And so that's the application we're going to be looking at this evening. How do we as Christians approach the work God has given us to do, the labor in which we are engaged, the Christian servant? We read in verse 18, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Be subject. Once again, recognize God himself has placed a structure in society. There are those who are employers. There are those who are employees. And he puts us where he wants us. And so we are to be subject to those masters, those employers, uh, not rebelling against them, but submitting to the work, the honest work that they call us to do. And to do that, our text says, with respect, not giving a grudging uh, submission, but being thankful for the privilege that we have to work the labor that we can do. 
Uh, be subject to your masters with all respect. And he goes even beyond that, not only uh, to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Now I recognize that I have the privilege of working for probably the best employer there possibly could be. I have the privilege of working for the church. I have the privilege of working for believers. I recognize that. But I wasn't always a minister. I like to say, you know, I used to have a real job. I used to have a real job. I used to work in the restaurant business, as some of you know. And my employers, while they were moral people, were not necessarily Christians. And so I do know what it's like to, to have to submit to someone who is an unbeliever. And it is not easy, and that's why Peter spells it out for us. Don't just do this for the good, for the gentle, but even for the unjust. Just simply the fact that our, our employer is an unbeliever, our employer is not a Christian, does not give us an excuse to, to fail to follow the instruction God has given, to be subject, to be subject with respect. We are called to, to do this in a way that brings honor to God. He says in verse 19, For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it you, suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. To this you have been called. He says, look, if you're suffering for doing wrong, you should expect that. That's normal. That's just the way things go. No, there's, no, there's no grace there. But if when seeking to honor God, you come under the suffering of your master, of your employer, then it is a privilege. It is a privilege to suffer for the sake of Christ. If we do our work in such a way that, that Christ receives the glory and, and that becomes, runs afoul of what our, our employer desires, it is commendable. It is a gracious thing, Peter says, to have the privilege for suffering for the sake of Christ. What credit is it if when you sin you are beaten and endure, but if you do good and suffer for it and endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God, for to this you have been called. And of course, Peter will go on to say that, that when we find ourselves in that situation, we are simply following after our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. We are following in His footsteps as the perfect example of submission. Again, verse 21, For to this you have been called because... Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Christ suffered for you. Our calling is to follow after him. And sometimes Peter describes that calling as a glorious calling. We saw that a couple weeks ago in chapter 2 where he said in verse 9, you are a chosen race 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. And we, we, we enjoy that. We relish in that. This wonderful description of who we are in Christ Jesus. But we are also those who follow the sufferings of Christ. He is, as Peter says, a, a pattern, an example for us. And again, the word example is okay, but the word pattern is actually a better word, I think. Um, children, when you're learning to write your letters, when I had to learn to write my letters on a piece of paper, um, oftentimes I'd be given a piece of paper with lines on it, and there would be like the pattern of a letter A, you know, in dots. I had to follow that pattern to learn how to make those letters. That's, that's the word that Peter uses here. Following the pattern, following the model, following the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We read in verse 22, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten, but continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. Jesus submitted Himself to the sufferings of this life. He submitted himself to the sufferings he would undergo because in doing so, he was not only submitting to that suffering, he was submitting to the will of his Father, willing to do what his Father had called him to do, to give his life for the sake of his people, to give his life for our sake. That's the pattern for us. One who will submit to the will of the Father. God in His goodness has placed you in a particular way that you can use your gifts and talents in service to Him for your employer. We're called to submit ourselves to that. Whether our employer is good or whether they are unjust, to use our gifts and talents for the glory of God because Jesus Christ entrusted Himself to Him who judges justly. Christ knew there would be a final judgment. Christ could, could, could commend himself to the will of the Father because he knew God the Father was good and righteous and perfect, and there would be a final reckoning. A final reckoning where God would not forget the service and the suffering of his Son. And God will not forget our suffering either. God is the God who sees us when we hurt. He sees us when we're in pain because of the employment we're doing and the difficulties we go through, and he will not forget that. God is the God who does balance the scales of equity in eternity. And it may be that, uh, that in God's uh, just judgment we find ourselves vindicated, but even better, even better on that day of judgment that, that our actions and our work and our words might have been used to bring our employers to an understanding of who God is. That he would use our work and our words to change the hearts of those who employ us. That they go from being the unjust to those who are called by God himself. There is a final reckoning 
all scales balanced, but, but how good if, if God would use us, would use our work, our labor, our words to bring those who are currently not submitting to him into that loving submission before the final day. The Christian servant cares about their employer, even so much that as appropriate, they will share the truth of the gospel with them. For we read in verse 24 about Jesus Christ. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Jesus, our model, Jesus, our pattern, Jesus, our example, is also our sin bearer. And that we cannot do. So that we rely on him alone. He bore the sin in his body. He bore that for us. He submitted himself to the will of the Father that we might have uh, the possibility of submitting as well. It is not natural to us. It is not normal for us. It is a learned characteristic. But we look to Jesus Christ, the one who took all of our sins away. And as Peter reminds us, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And that in our work as well. We might die to the desire to, to get back at our employer. We might die to the desire to slack off in our work. We might live to righteousness, to use the gifts and talents God has given us in the best way possible to bring glory to Him because we know Jesus Christ, the sin bearer, and because we know Him, our lives need to look different. They need to be different. The gospel, the gospel is not just about me and Jesus on Sunday, but the gospel affects every part of my life. It affects my church life. It affects my family life. It affects my work life, the work that I do for his honor and for his glory, because I have a Savior. I have a Savior who suffered and who suffered for me. Peter says this, by his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter calling forth the language of Isaiah chapter 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord's laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. That is our sin bearer. That is Jesus Christ. That is our model. That is our pattern. That is the one who calls us in our daily life to live in a way that brings glory to him. Because the gospel call goes out once again this evening to put your trust in that sin bearer, to put your, your trust in that suffering servant. And when you do, you know new life in him. A new life that doesn't just affect your relationship with God, a new life that affects your relationship with everyone around you. 
And that's what Peter's talking about in this section of the book. A new life that is committed to, to the ways of holiness before God. Holiness in their work relationships. The call to submit. The call to submit with respect. And that same instruction that Peter gives those New Testament Christians, he gives to us as well. Tonight's, uh, tonight's sermon, tonight's text, is not meant to be simply an interesting take on labor relations. It is meant to be applicable. It's meant to affect us when we go to work tomorrow. This text is not just for our study tonight, but it is for our life in the week to come. And so I would encourage you. I would encourage you tomorrow morning, uh, before going off to the labor where God calls you, to read this once again. To be reminded by Him what your work is to look like throughout the day. Be subject to your Master with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust, for this is a gracious thing. For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered, leaving you an example, so you might follow in his steps. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Oh, that that truth might live in our hearts and in our relationships and in our work as we return this coming week. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we are so thankful for the call of the gospel. We are so thankful that in your Son, Jesus Christ, we have new life. All of our sins are taken away. And yet we know, God, that that call also obligates us to live in a particular way to the way we relate to those around us, to the way that we relate to those who are our employers. Help us, Lord God, to give proper submission to them with respect. We recognize this is, this is not natural to us. We pray you would work in our hearts. Help us to do our work as unto you, to the best of our ability, given a good accounting for ourselves, that our works might speak words to those around us. And you might use that opportunity that we might share the glories of the gospel. Lord, help us to labor for, for the, the various places you've called us to work. Help us to follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one who, who is our model, who is our pattern, yet who did what we could not do, the one who bore our sins, that we might die to sin, but live to righteousness. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.